Well, good morning, everyone. It's, uh, it's really lovely to be able to, to speak and to share with you for a few moments this morning. Just a, a really practical thing to, to start with, uh, and that is that um, Heather and I, next, next week, next Sunday, we're going on our holidays, and, uh, and the children will come as well, and um, we'll, we'll go together. Uh, so uh, just say so that really practically, so that if you, if you send an, an email after next week, um, it's not that I don't care, I do care, I care very deeply, but um, there will just be a little bit of a time lag before the reply comes in. Uh, so just a, a real practicality, and just to ask for your prayers as well as we, as we go, that it would be, uh, we'd know God's grace in, in travel, and it would be a time of refreshing as well, as, as holidays ought to be. Um, we are going to spend a few moments this morning, and we're going to be in 1 Peter. We're going to carry on from where we left off last week, um, as Christy began this new series and did that introduction for us. So we're in 1 Peter, and in a few moments we'll read uh, verses 1 to 12. But just as you're finding that in your Bibles, uh, let's, uh, let me give it a little story just to, to ease us into what we're going to look at for the next few minutes. When I, was, uh, when I was younger, and I'm not really just sure how old I would have been at this time, but my, my family uh, and I and other folks in our church used to do something at Christmas time. And uh, I'm not sure how the logistics of this used to work, but as a, as a fellowship, we would have uh, Christmas cards that we would send to people who were enduring persecution for their faith, uh, to those who were perhaps in prison um, because of their faith and trust in Jesus. And, uh, and I think the, the, the big idea was that um, we would we'd send this card or these letters out, and people who were under uh, facing real pressure would know that somebody cares, that somebody sees what's going on, and it's, uh, and it's, it's seen, it's appreciated, and, it, and people are praying for them. Um, but then there's a, there's a flip side to it as well, and I'm sure my parents were aware of this, was that if you're, as you're writing that, you're thinking about your own experience and your own life. Uh, and, you, and you're kind of gaining a bit of a perspective on, on a bigger story, a bigger picture of what's going on across the world. Although I don't remember lots of the details of how that was organized, what I do remember very vividly He's sitting at our, our table in, in our front room, uh, and, and my Bible open. I, I, I'm guessing I'd be 12, somewhere in that region. I don't just know how old. And my pen in my hand, and just not having any idea what to write. What do you say? What do you write? I'm old enough to remember when we used to send Christmas cards to each other. And, uh, and I remember those days, I know what Christmas cards, uh, the kind of right protocol is. Uh, you get a Christmas card and you write to such and such, so to Christy, and then it's already printed, if you've got a good one, it already says Happy Christmas or Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas. And then uh, you've got two options what you write after that. You can write from Ian or love from Ian, depending on how well you know the person. So I know what Christmas card etiquette is. And that doesn't really cut it in this situation. What do you write? You can't promise everything is going to be okay. Not everybody who goes into prison in these situations comes out with a testimony to tell. 
And, and even at that young age, I thought, what, what do I write here? You can't be flippant with your words, but you want to say something that means something, something that has value, something that is significant. Well, what we're going to look at for the next few moments is, uh, is how Peter begins his letter to a church that is beginning to face some persecution. That's beginning to be under pressure. He's writing to people who are beginning to count the cost of what it is to follow and love the Lord Jesus. Let me just do a very, very brief little reminder of some of the things we saw last week. Peter is writing. We've we followed Peter for quite a long time now. We were in Luke uh, a little while ago and we saw um, lots of Peter's actions in Luke. And then our last series was in the early chapters of the book of Acts, and we got to walk with Peter through those exciting chapters. And now he's an older man, still there's very much the same man, same personality and temperament, but now he's older and he's writing to these churches in Asia Minor, which is, which is modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to, to Christians who are starting to, to be under pressure, starting to feel the strain. The letter would be uh, given to the church and it would be read out publicly and then uh, perhaps um, copied and sent around and then it would be sent on to the next one. So it's, it's kind of doing the rounds. And, and Peter is writing and, and he starts by saying to God's elect exiles scattered throughout. And, and Christy looked at that a little bit with us last week. How the people he's writing to are God's elect. They're people who have given their lives to Jesus. They uh, belong to him. They've stepped into his family, into what it is to belong to him. But they're exiles. They're living at home, but, but it's no longer their, their long-term home. They're pilgrims. They're those on a journey. And, uh, and we're going to try and um, just look for a few minutes at, at what he continues to write. So I'm going to read 1 Peter And I'll read to verse 12. Uh, You might want to follow along. You you might like it uh, just to kind of uh, listen as we read God's word. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to to suffer uh, grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that your proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you've not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, 
For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. What I'd like us to do for the next few moments is to to look at these verses and uh, we're going to look at it in, in three little sections, one after the other. And we're going to look at verses 3 to 5 to begin with, thinking about our future home. It's really striking how Peter begins to to talk to these believers. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he's given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. I wonder if that's an unusual beginning. I wonder if we might expect Peter to say, I've heard of the distress that you're facing. I hear of the the pressure that you're under. I'm sorry for the trials that you're going through. But we'll, We'll come on to that. But he begins with praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For the new birth, praise be to God that we've been born again. Thanks be to God that that we were in darkness, but we've been brought into light. That we were in death and we've been brought into life. That we were following the lifeless ways of this world. And we've been pulled out of it and, and given life and life in all its fullness. That Jesus, who is God, has stepped into our world to rescue, to redeem, to buy back. To save us. Praise be to God that we've not been left in darkness, but that we've been born again. And not just born again to start again, but, but God Himself comes to live within us by His Spirit. I'm sure we've heard that lots of times. How incredible is this? That God not only has saved us, but comes to make His home in our lives. We have, this, we have this new birth into a living hope. A living hope. I very much appreciate that it's not always easy coming to church. And that often there's lots of things that are bombarding our minds and hearts, all the stuff of life. If that's you this morning and it's hard to tune in to, to, to what I'm saying, then just hold on to this. We've been given new birth into a living hope. A living hope. Just consider that phrase for a few moments. A living hope. What, what, what is alive grows. It's one of the signatures, one of the signs of life. We have a hope that is growing within us. A hope that's, that, that's, that's budding, that's coming into life within us. We've been saved And the Lord walks with us. Uh, We look back to sins forgiven. A a victorious saviour who died and rose again. Presently, he lives in our lives. 
He's doing something within us, a living hope that's growing. Verse 4. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. We look back to being to, to a salvation that's been bought. In our present, God himself has come to live within us. And we look ahead to an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. An inheritance kept in heaven for you. You know, an inheritance that we have on earth, you know, it can be worth something and then, you know, something happens in the world and suddenly it's devalued. It's not worth what it, we thought it was. Or, or it, can, it can rust or it can fade or we can have such a fallout with everybody in the family that we just never get the earrings that we were looking for. <laughs> this is an inheritance that's been kept by God Almighty in heaven. For his children. That can never perish, spoil or fade. It is secure. And what is more, as we go on to the next part of the verse, an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that's ready to be revealed in the last time. An inheritance has been kept in heaven for us and we have been kept for heaven. We have been shielded through faith by God's power. It's it's absolutely incredible what we have in Christ. I wonder if you ever have that uh, conversation or that situation where you're talking with somebody and it comes round to that inescapable moment, though you've tried to take the conversation in other directions, it still gets there anyway that you go to church. And, uh, and, and, and it's there. Bam. I, I go to church. And, and the person uh, is kind but looks with a, a sort of puzzled pity. And, <laughs> and it kind of says, well, that, that's kind of okay. That's okay for, for you. That's okay. That to kind of hide away in church, to hide away from the reality of life which is out there. And I think what Peter's doing as he starts this letter, he says, no, 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 this is reality. This is what's real. This is the big story. This is the story which you find yourself in. God, the God of heaven, has stepped into earth to save. He loves you. He's given himself up. He has died that you might live. He's paid the price for your sin. He has died and has rose victorious over sin and hell and death and darkness. And he's ascended into heaven and he comes to live within us by his spirit. And there is a future hope, an inheritance that cannot spoil or fade or rust or be taken away. And he is shielding us by his power. For that inheritance. This is reality. This is the big picture. This is our story. What would Peter say to believers who were under pressure? He would say, praise God for all that you have been given in Christ. Verse 6, 6 to 9. Point number (laughs) 2. In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come that the proven genuineness of your faith, 
of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Now we have a future home But we also experience temporary trials. Temporary trials. Verse 6 is a challenging verse. You don't often have in the same sentence, greatly rejoice and suffer grief. And there's and there's 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 a tension that's been held here because both are true. We have been given everything in Christ. But we suffer trials now. And I want to be really um, reverent and careful as as we speak for the next few minutes. Because these trials are are real and present and, and genuine. We do celebrate and rejoice in all that we have in Christ. But life is difficult and has genuine and very real challenges in it. This letter that Peter writes is, is full of him talking about suffering. He does it at least 15 times using different pictures or words or, or angles on it. And he's not specific here about what the trials or, or difficulties or griefs are. Because he's talking to, to churches, to lots of people. And he doesn't speculate at this point what those challenges might be. And I'm not going to speculate what those challenges might be for us this morning. But we do go through challenges. The words suffer and grief are here. And, that, and, and there's a reality to that as, as part of our walk as well. Maybe you're going through a dark valley this morning. There, there are those who are going through dark things, t- difficult things this morning. And maybe that season has been longer than you'd hoped Maybe it's a very long. The Lord sees that. He sees and he knows. He knows. And he meets us in it. The picture that's used there is of a goldsmith. Uh, gold, is, of course, is a very valuable metal, a very, very valuable commodity. Uh, but it can have impurities in it, and so it is, uh, it's put in the furnace to, to, to rid it of its impurities. And the story goes that the goldsmith would, would, would heat up the gold until he could see his face in its reflection. And then he knew it, would, it was rid of its impurities. That's, that's the, the picture that's used. And there's, a, and there's something that, there's mystery in suffering. And I'm not going to um, speculate overly on, on all of how God does this, but, but somehow he meets us in it. And, and it can even do something through it. In the, next, in the next verse, we'll come on to it in a moment, Peter looks back on the Old Testament, on the prophets of old. And if we look back into the Old Testament, you'll see that people that God used powerfully 
had seasons or dynamics in their lives which, which don't resolve easily or aren't easy to explain. And somehow God works in it. Abraham was called by God to leave where he was and to go to a place that would become his home. He's a, called a friend of God in the scriptures. He is father of the people of Israel. And, uh, and he's called by God and he gets up and he leaves everything and he leaves it all behind to go to where God is calling him. Just following God, not knowing where it will be. And when he arrives, there's a famine and he goes down to Egypt. You know, like, what, what's going on here, Lord? And, and God doesn't say. But he is at work. And he's doing something significant. Joseph was used by God powerfully to save his family, to save a whole nation. But parts of his story are, are very, very difficult. And we're not, we're not trying to, to belittle them or trivialize them. But, but to be sold as a slave, to, to be sent into prison for something you hadn't done. David was a man after God's heart and anointed to be king and, and, and spent years on the run from Saul. He had somebody throw a javelin at him from across the room. We've read it so many times, it becomes like, yeah, 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 and he dodged it. He did dodge it, but it's still a major event in your life. I think it's something you might remember. <laughs> Things were so serious for a time that he went to a foreign king and pretended to be insane. That was a better option, he felt, than staying at home. Life isn't a straight line. But God is doing stuff even, even in and through that and recognizing its reality. And then thirdly, we have a future home. We have temporary trials and we have a present privilege. Verses 10 to 12, a present privilege. Considering, sorry, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest of care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he preached the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. So I, I, we have been given everything in Christ. We experience uh, very real sufferings or trials, challenges in this, this, this life. And somehow together we have the, 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 the privilege of journeying through this part of, of time with the Lord as we do his work. Peter looks back and says, people, the prophets of old have been looking forward to this for, for, for generations. How is God going to resolve this tension that, that he is good but there are difficult things in life, that there's challenges and difficulties. And he's at work. How is that going to, to happen? And I've been looking forward to a rescuer that's been coming who is glorious, but who will suffer. In uh, 1969, uh, something remarkable happened, something that's 
even now hard for me to comprehend. And that is that a man walked on the moon. And uh, the, the scale of that is, is remarkable, really. But as Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, he, he, was, he was walking on the moon, but the, the number of people who'd been involved in the process, in the plan, in the dream to, to get a man into space, onto the moon, and to return them safely was, was, was huge. I nearly used the word astronomical. But <laughs> I didn't. NASA conservatively estimate that about 400,000 uh, scientists, engineers, uh, mathematicians were, uh, were, were operating on that plan. There were so many systems and subsystems and, and plans and, uh, that all had to, to come together. Neil Armstrong walked on the moon, but there was a long process before that happened. And lots of people have been involved as the plan had moved forward. And Peter said, looks back and says, we, we are experiencing the, the wonder that we look back on what Jesus has done. He has come to this earth. He has lived. He has died. He has risen again. And, and that many people have looked forward and longed to see that day, all used by God in their own way. We have a, a privilege of knowing that for sure. We have the privilege of knowing that our inheritance is kept in heaven for us. And we're shielded by faith, by God's power, ready for it. And the privilege of knowing that he lives within us and is active even now. I wonder if you've heard the phrase, um, I want to be that the hands and feet of Jesus. I wonder if, if you're kind of familiar with that phrase. You might have, have heard it. If, if somebody has, they've responded to what Jesus has done. They, they want to um, invite him into their lives. And they want to, their lives to be in service of him. And in a sense, they'll be his hands and his feet doing what he wants on this earth, being an, an agent of hope. I wonder, as we're, we're drawing towards a clause, I wonder if we just consider that, that image for a moment, the hands and feet of Jesus. If we're to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Think about the hands and feet of Jesus. If you look at my hands, you'll be able to see that I've never done a day's work in my life. <laughs> it's, it's fairly clear to see. You learn about people from their hands. You look at the hands of Jesus, they're scarred, they're, they're wounded hands, they're wounded feet. And, and, and if we, as we're the hands and feet of Jesus, there's something about our wounds, there's something about our scars that the Lord uses. And I don't fully understand that and I, and I don't want in any way to trivialize difficulties. Not, not at all, but to say that in deep ways God can use the scars of our lives. The, the, the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that follow. This is the pattern of Jesus. This is how Jesus saved us. And as he lives within us, it's a pattern that repeats. That we've been given everything in Christ, but we do go through trials. And God meets us in them. And even uses us through them mysteriously and wonderfully and for his glory. The close of our passage says this. Even angels long to look into these things. 
Now that is quite a statement, isn't it? Even angels long to look into this. Angels, angels from heaven who know the splendor and magnificence of heaven, who know the sheer thrill of being in a place of no sin, no tears, no darkness, no pain, who know the exhilarating joy of being with God, who is life, who is love, who who is uh, everything that is beautiful and good. And they're in the presence of God. We, we, want, we long to look into heaven. And the angels, as it were, peer around the curtain and look at planet Earth and say, Lord, how are you going to do this? How are you going to bring good where there is bad? How are you going to bring beauty where there is ashes? How are you going to bring light where there's darkness? How are you going to bring hope where there's hopelessness? And they say, oh, we want to see what, what this miracle looks like as it's lived out in the lives of your people. I'm going to ask the, the band if they'll um, come and we're going to close our service in a, a moment or two by, by singing together. But I'm going to pray before we, before we do that. And I'm going to pray along, along these lines that we'd be, we'd be, we'd see and know more of what that the Lord Jesus has done for us. That we would marvel again at the good news. That we'd, 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 we'd find the wonder of what God has done for us. I'm going to also pray for us as we go through the difficulties and challenges of life. And that we would know more of God's presence in them and, and more of what holding on looks like. And then we're going to offer those scars, whatever they are, to the Lord and say, if, if Lord, if you can do something to make this beautiful, to, to use this for your glory, then we want you to do that. Let's pray. <coughs> Father, that's our prayer this morning. That, that we would we would know more of your more of just the wonder of, of what you've done for us. Father, take this from being been words or an explanation to, to a living reality. Lord, I pray that we'd know more of your love, more of that living hope growing within us, more of your indwelling life. Father, I, I, I pray that you'll remind us afresh of the, just the wonder of, of a life turned round. Father, we, we just want, we want, we want to re, be reminded of that and, and know more of that. Father, we do know very clearly of the challenges which we go through in life. Um, to some extent, different for each one of us. But in some ways, pain is a great equalizer. And Father, I pray that in our questions, in our tears, I pray that we'll find and encounter you again. We'd know your strength. We'd know your help. We'd know your embrace. We know you close. 
And Father, it is a mystery to us how you can use even darkness somehow to bring hope to others or to bless others. But Father, we pray that we would be those agents of hope. Lord, that you'd use us in our, uh, with our scars and with our brokenness. But being made new, Lord, pray that you would use us for your glory. Lord, we do want to be those who speak when it's appropriate, to bring truth, to bring light, to bring hope. We do want to be those who are aware of the world around us. And we want to see your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.